0: For business leaders who are thinking about integrating AI into their company or who are just in the very beginning of that journey, this should be an awfully interesting and useful podcast. There are some episodes that we've recorded here that certainly have intended eye-opening insights for all industries but are sort of focused on a specific vertical. This episode is very much not. This is broad and deals with some of the core issues of bringing AI into the enterprise, bringing AI into an existing business ecosystem and getting past the barriers that are the biggest many times people think why surely hiring ai phds and talented data scientists is the biggest challenge of integrating ai into the enterprise much of our own research and much of our own conversations with the vendors and the consultants who have master's level phd level experience in ai and machine learning and who are now trying to sell this into the enterprise actually think there's another and arguably much bigger problem which is How do we orchestrate our data infrastructure? How do we integrate the expertise of our subject matter experts and our data scientists so that what we build, how we sort things, how we organize things, how we harmonize our information, it can actually be leveraged for future products, leveraged for future forward-moving initiatives in the business. That sort of organization of we're putting things together and then how we're accessing and updating them. This is safely outside of the expertise of most existing enterprises today and is arguably a tougher challenge than paying the big bucks to bring on a team of data scientists. And this is the problem we aim to get at today. We interviewed this week Grant Wernick, who is the CEO of a company called Insight Engines in San Francisco. We speak with Grant about the initial challenges of organizing data and setting up a data infrastructure that could even permit to leverage AI in the first place and how that's done well and how that's done poorly and how it should be done moving forward into the future certain trends and insights about how business leaders should think about that all important initial process of organizing data and then secondly we talk about how that data would be used updated and leveraged in normal workflows how can we make that happen without needing everybody to be a data scientist it's not realistic to suspect that everybody in the security office and everybody in the marketing office and everybody in the sales office is all of a sudden going to you know go get a master's degree in data science but at the same time we need their insights to improve these systems we need their contextual insights to drive better product innovations to help the company what will that look like moving forward in other words how does the data science to subject matter expert gap get bridged These are big-picture questions, and there's no simple answers, but there are definitely wrong ways, and definitely ways that are more right, and we aim to sort of outline the latter in this particular interview. So without further ado, I hope that this one's helpful for anybody who's, again, kind of at the cusp of figuring out how to get started here. This is Grant Werdick with Inside Engines, and I'm Dan Fagella. You are tuned in to AI and Industry. Without further ado, let's hop right in. So Grant, part of everybody's gripe with regards to data and artificial intelligence is that the talent is hard to find and it's really hard to access and use. We have subject matter experts that don't know how to bake their expertise into the system. And then similarly, we have business people and people all around the company that don't know how to take the data out of these systems and visualize or use it in a productive way. Broadly speaking, if you just think about paradigms, What are the critical challenges that are keeping the non-super technical folks from in any way gaining or receiving benefit from kind of a company's data?
1: That's an awesome question, Dan. And to answer that really well, I want to step back just one second. Sure. We live in a world today where we utilize probably 1% of the data coming off of all of this machine data out there. And we have many different places we throw data and literally throw it like it's basically put into these data lakes. They're basically swamps. And it's very hard to get things out of these places unless you have a lot of technical know-how. And so today we've been in this world of put it somewhere, just put it somewhere and we'll figure it out later kind of thing. And just the fact that we have it stored somewhere, we're going to be able to do something with it. And then people started realizing, okay, now we have it. What can we do with it? And there's this huge talent gap. In every organization I spend time with, there's like one or two people who are really the deep, like folks that can go dig into that data. And everybody else on the team wants access to this stuff. They have ideas. These people are oftentimes domain experts. I live and breathe in security and IT. And you have people who are awesome at security, but they don't always have the technical chops for the various different products an uh, organization may bring on. And so a lot of the day ends up being staring at dashboards and not actually getting to exercise their creativity and dig into this data. We're at a really interesting point and we're lucky to be the kind of companies building things in this world because we're at a point where people are starting to realize, hey, I got it, I want it, I wanna do something with it. We're at a point where more of the office is curious We're at a point where the news has made it very interesting. And when insights do come out, they're always very fascinating. And so we're at a point where people have a lot of curiosity to want to dig deeper. The compute is actually at a point where it's helpful. What's just starting to happen is being able to organize this data and make sense of this data. And so we've lived in a world of data. We've lived in a world of log store search. Or we've lived in a world of go and dig through my data lake. But now you're starting to see a world where let's make this accessible to more people. And this is where uh, AI comes in. And it's really a subset of AI. It's intelligence augmentation. People have a lot of interesting ideas and let's help them up level themselves. And let's help them have tools that enable them to be able to ask these questions of data. And so you don't have to have secret super wizard skills anymore. But we're just starting to scratch the surface
0: yeah, we and this are. will require
1: a lot more organization.
0: Completely. I, I want to just poke into some of this stuff as we roll forward, Grant. Yes, fortunately, I think the dynamic that you talked about, people within the enterprise are sort of asking, you know, is there a way I can access this? Is there a way that, that I can help work on this? Is there a way that we could leverage this? Also, as you'd mentioned, everything is just kind of chucked in a bucket somewhere, chucked in a data lake somewhere. A lot of people in the formal machine learning space working with enterprise have some serious gripes about that. And so maybe we could kind of start there. I think there's increasingly more and more pressure from people who sometimes naively, you know, basically say, "Oh cool, maybe I can help with what we're doing with AI now too." But mm, in some respects, if you're, you know, a marketing subject matter expert or product subject matter expert with zero Python programming ability or knowledge of data science, you might not actually be able to meaningfully contribute that much. A lot of this kind of I think starts with where and how the data is stored. You talked about, you know, chucking it somewhere. Is there maybe a different way that you think people will need to start thinking about determining what to store and how and where they're storing it and does it begin from there does it begin with kind of like some degree of strategy and orchestration from the get-go or is all of this going to get finished on the back end when we figure out how to make sense of this junk pile and visualize it meaningfully I mean it feels like there's something to do up front and I don't know where you see that headed in the half decade ahead
1: So it's almost like people have to reverse their thinking on it. Instead of trying to huck their data somewhere, they need to start thinking in terms of, hey, what do we actually really want to get out of this? Oh, these are things we actually want to understand. We don't want to understand something, for instance, we're really curious about people from a specific country accessing our systems. And so that's what we really want to know. Okay, what data sources do we need for that? how would those be organized? And this is just something a non-technical person can actually dig into and start just really look at things from a use case standpoint and the things that they really dream about. It's actually funny, I've been in development a long time and I always say it's like 80% of your time should be spent like figuring out like the problem space and 20% should be actually taking it to code so you really understand what you're actually doing. And so this is a place that even with the current stuff and you have one or two people or wizards on your team, it's creating a lot more communication between them. And it's that human-to-human element that we can do today. Now I'm going to pause for a second because there's a lot more to think about here. There's a lot you can dig into on that. But you are starting to see tools that allow non-technical people to become a little bit of these wizards. Uh, Go for it, yeah. yeah. You're starting to see interfaces that people can get access to. And you're starting to see more and more... If enough thought's been put into these stores up front, you're starting to see more and more kind of interactive charts and insights and visualizations. We've been in some amazing situations because of the kind of stuff that we do. We've actually helped up level people who have a lot of domain expertise. In this case, it was security guards, and they were able to become part of the cybersecurity team in a matter of a couple of weeks. And that's only possible once you start bringing in the right ideas from the get-go. So you start structuring the data well, Then you start thinking about what you want to get out of it. And then now that it's that way, then you can bring in products that enable people that are not technical to start asking questions and digging into data.
0: I'll kind of start from the top, and we will get into some of those use cases, Grant, before we hop off this chat. I think it'd be good for the audience to sort of understand where the osmosis between non-technical people and the data in terms of adding value to it and getting value from it actually starts to happen. You know, the beginning here, it sounds like you're touching on a point that I think we've heard on a number of occasions, which is that the strategy for storage isn't, yeah, we're probably going to need that, put it somewhere. It's more of what are the objectives that we need to accomplish? What are the objectives we're moving towards? What and how and where do things need to be stored to actually kind of get some of those things done and make sure that they're accessible later rather than having a junk drawer? It seems like those conversations between subject matter experts and the data scientists up front is sort of the beginning of this pipeline of value sharing that eventually we get to. Is that safe to say, Grant, or would you put a caveat on that?
1: Oh, it's totally safe to say. And it goes into like, I hear a lot of complaints with people. Oh my gosh, I spent a fortune on infrastructure because we put all this data here. Oh my gosh, my license for X product is way too expensive. And now I need to bring in more data to get the insights I want. It's like, go into that closet, let's clean that house, let's figure out what you really need in there, let's get that stuff in good shape, and you're like, wait, I have plenty of space, I have plenty of CPU utilization and capability here. It's like, we actually can do it. I want, but because people have this kind of unfiltered kind of aspect and it's been kind of like, mandates from the top, just get it all.
0: And it's like
1: adding more of that thoughtful process up front will help people a lot. And it'll also help you think more clearly, too, about the things you want to get done with the data.
0: Totally. So, you know, advice for listeners tuned in ensuring that you're beginning with the end in mind with data as Grant is sort of referencing here, and having the brains at the table that know what those ends are. It's not just the data scientists, it's the business people, it's the subject matter experts who can sort of help craft that data strategy and might make sense if your company is doing this for the first time to talk to companies who've done this before, who've actually thought through a data strategy and done it well and don't just have a drunk drawer like you kind of learning from those precedents. Could be useful as we shift in this paradigm. Speaking of the paradigm, Grant, you know, we move towards a world where all of a sudden data is being stored in a more effective way and we're able to take the value from the heads of the subject matter experts who are all asking about data. They're seeing it in a Twitter feed. They're seeing it in their inbox. Everybody in the company's murmuring about it. And now they're able to add value to that data to help it achieve its goals. And they're able to get value from it, see it, use it, leverage it for sales, for marketing, for procurement, whatever the case may be. We'll talk broad paradigms and then we'll poke into two or three case studies or kind of use cases, representative use cases. What are the broad paradigms that are shifting? How gradually is data sort of interacting with and sort of having a valuable relationship with non-technical people? What are the factors that are shifting in the half decade ahead that you look out to that are kind of permitting these case studies to even be possible.
1: Yeah, it's pretty funny. We're just starting to see tasks that would take, in our case, you know, in the security world, investigations that could take two weeks are now taking a couple hours because the current way of doing things is, okay, I need to investigate something. Okay, I need to get to the right person to go craft the right queries around it. Well, that's not exactly what I mean. And they need to dig in, oh, wait, we don't have the right data. We need to go grab that data we need to go ingest that data and a lot of things are done kind of on the back end and not thinking about it at the front end when you're actually trying to get things together so the marriage hasn't happened beforehand and so we're just starting to see a world where people are being more thoughtful about this and we're starting to see like hey you can actually get things done in a fraction of the time Because machines can do a lot of these laborious processes, like data onboarding, like data cleansing, like writing the esoteric queries that are necessary to access data out of a data store. And they're able to start giving you visualizations that matter to a non-technical person that a non-technical person can understand. And that's something I'm extremely passionate about. But it really comes down to the marriage of focus. When you want specific insights, don't try to boil the ocean of every facet of your business. So if you're a healthcare company, for instance, there's all sorts of interesting things you could do. You could do things from, okay, what's our security around patient records? What are doctors doing and how many visits have they uh, done in the last couple of weeks? And are they sending people to ER and that kind of stuff? You could do things around drug use and drug prescriptions. These are all very different facets. And if you start thinking about all the different facets, the data sources become immense. And so my big piece of advice there is like rank these things, figure out what's most important, And start drilling them down and do one at a time and use one as a sample set. And if you do that, you end up in a situation where you you get a really good, bright star of success before you start drilling into all the facets of your business where you want insights. And that seems to be a shift that people need to start focusing on more. Since we come from this data lake or data swamp world, it's just been like, oh, we can do everything. It's like, then nothing gets done. It's just focus.
0: Okay. So there's layers of priority conversations. And we'll talk about a couple use cases before we wrap up here, just sort of examples of where non-technical folks have been able to interface or garner insights from data. There's layers of focus here. We need to have these multi-stakeholder groups that can come together and strategize on what, where, and how do we store based on our goals. But then we also need to think in terms of priorities on, okay, well, how are we going to leverage this, productize this, drive value in the business with this? And we got to get the same bundle of heads together, not just the people that are going to write the wacky queries and program some new algorithm, but also the folks who know the problem they need to solve, who know the way maybe it needs to be solved, or who knows the customer it's going to serve, or whatever the case may be. So it sounds like when big decisions are made, the continued merger of subject matter expertise and data science is, is just something that has to more and more become the norm. I guess my hope is that that trend actually starts happening. I don't know what you're seeing on my side. I, I still see a lot of silos, but I hope they're gradually being chiseled away at.
1: Yes, they are gradually being chipped away at, but it's still a pretty siloed world. It's very rare that the domain expert and the technical expert are the same people. Yep. And if we want to get the kind of insights that we have dreamed about and you see in the movies and you see the future, so he's talking about There has to be this blending of, hey, you don't need to be a technician anymore. You need to be a domain expert. This is where AI really comes in, and we should embrace it very fully, is that if data is in a great way, it really structured well, then we can actually employ the right kind of products on top of it. And then the people who are the domain experts can have direct access. That's a world that I get super excited about.
0: Yeah, I mean... I hope that as companies focus there, you know, both vendors on your side and potentially the buyer folks. See, I think part of the issue is, Grant, we don't have necessarily like best practices. You know, so if we look at like B2B prospecting, for example, well, you know, you have your SDRs and then you have this kind of call center set up and then you have, you know, kind of playbooks that are well enough known that everybody sort of gets it. I don't think there are well enough playbooks for like, hey, in a marketing department, how do the data science and subject matter expertise people riff you know, in terms of weekly and daily meetings that actually keep them on the same page and deliver things that are useful, right? We we actually don't have enough precedents to know the way, but hopefully we're bumbling our way towards it.
1: We absolutely are. And the challenge is that people need to embrace new technologies and try things out. And we're at a really fun, as I said, early in our conversation, really a fun spot as far as technology goes and people's desires go. And so we're at a point where people can start experimenting and coming up with things You can start doing it yourself. You don't need that to bring in the external support and services. Like we're at a point where it's okay to start figuring things out. It's okay to start looking at this brave new world.
0: I hope that's becoming more and more the case. It certainly has to be what the vendor side of the equation says. But I think the truth actually is shifting in that direction. And my fingers are crossed there. I wanted to maybe wrap up, Grant, quickly with the, you had mentioned the example of the security guard. It's novel and funky enough for me to be like, okay, what's going on there? So what did that (laughs) look like? And maybe how does that represent the dynamic we're talking about? And that would be a fun thing to cap off with, I think.
1: That was a great story. It was a CSO, really forward-thinking CSO. And he's like, awesome. Your technology helps me uh, marry my uh, data, my technical know-how and my people who have domain expertise. Awesome. Let's just grab some people with only domain expertise and see if this is possible. And he really challenged me. And over a three-week period, we helped them get their data in better shape. Step one. Step two, we set a nice framework so their technical people could work side by side with their non-technical folks that we put their people on keyboard and gave a tiny bit of training. And within a matter of about three weeks, they come up with new use cases and dynamic things they could do with it and helped starting to move that organization beyond a world of static dashboards and static frameworks, which got me so excited because that's why I do what I do. Yeah,
0: yeah, bridging the gap, bridging the gap. So to try to put some color on the example, we're talking about security folks who sort of, I guess, were able to use an interface, leverage the data that exists? Are we talking about video data here? Are we talking about cybersecurity? I guess, give me a bit of context yeah, of yeah, what, talk, what was you're being talking used.
1: talking zeros and ones. You're talking about cybersecurity, zeros and ones. Okay, and you're yeah, ta- yeah, yeah. You're talking about a very technical team, and you're talking about a group of security guards who did stare at video footage. Some of these guys are like ex-cops. They have a really investigative mind. You're bridging that gap, in this case, utilizing our product to do so, where people are literally able to get there and say, hey, I need to see uh, network traffic to China today. And literally in seconds, they're able to say, boom, there you go. And these are the kind of things that would take an advanced person a good amount of time to do. And so they will start using that creative mindset to start digging into stuff.
0: So yeah, there are to be maybe some setup, an orchestration of what data is available to be played with. But then if you can actually get the experts to play, who might not be data experts, but they are security experts, if you just give them Lego pieces, right, they can at least build something with Lego pieces because they know what the goal of the build is. And I guess the challenge is sort of making sure that you can make things Lego simple for folks to move them around and be able to add their value that they couldn't do if it was just a command line, but they can do if there's stuff to drag and drop and enter and search for and and kind of make sense intuitively.
1: Absolutely, from an interface perspective. And from a data perspective, if you haven't taken the time to have good hygiene in your data, it's garbage in, garbage out. So you could put these domain experts on top of something, they're not gonna get the answers they want, they're gonna get very frustrated. And so you really need to take the time to have good data hygiene before any of the new technologies make any sense. Anything you're seeing out there, regardless of what it says, requires you to take the time and have good data hygiene.
0: Hopefully, you know, what we're talking about here is kind of stretching ourselves deep into a future where any member of any team can kind of leverage the wisdom and information of a company to strategize, build, drive insights, drive decisions in a better way beyond just their own experience. And admittedly, that's a very long ball, but hopefully some of the listeners have connected some of the dots as to how we're kind of chiseling there. What are some of the challenges? What are some of the areas of headway? What are some of the opportunities? So Grant, I sincerely appreciate you being able to break down some of your insights and open that up for the listeners. I appreciate you being here on AI and Industry. Thanks so much.
1: Thanks so much, Dan. Really enjoyed it.
0: and regular coverage of the AI applications of both the hottest startups here in the Bay Area, as well as what Fortune 500 companies are doing with AI today. Everything from marketing and advertising, business intelligence, to specific industries like finance and healthcare, you can stay ahead of the curve and stay on the right side of disruption by visiting techemergence.com. And when you're there, make sure to sign up for our weekly newsletter on the left-hand side of the page. Uh, Most of our podcast listeners get the episodes directly to their inbox every week. You'll be joining tens of thousands of other business leaders who join us from all over the world to stay ahead of the curve of AI in their specific industry. So that's techemergence.com. Uh, I'm Dan Figella. This is AI in Industry, and we'll catch you next week.